Thirty years ago, a Canadian academic published a study that challenged all the old ideas about how we learn new things. Alan Tuff argued that adults just didn't need formally certified educators because they learn perfectly well by themselves. But self-directed learning in the workplace isn't quite as simple as that. Even though, with digital, it's easier than it's ever been for people to find stuff out, learning and development professionals still need to balance autonomous learning with the organisation's objectives. And that balance isn't always easy to find. Virgin Media discovered that for themselves three years ago when they launched an online portal management academy as part of their self-directed learning strategy. Month by month, you could go in and look at the users of that academy. There were four people in there pretty much every month. Okay. Because we'd done that very much. <laughs> if you remember the film Field of Dreams um, with Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. We'd gone, right, well, there's a great digital portal. Everyone will use that now, and won't they? they? Didn't and come. nobody went there, right? Because <laughs> okay. um, we hadn't built what they needed. The learning that was on there was kind of standard learning, a little bit of articles. So we needed to build it for the learner, with the learner, to, to draw them in. For the learner, with the learner, says David Chivers there. He's head of learning operations at Virgin Media. But how to do that? Let's start by getting back to basics and talking to a couple of experts. Barbara Thompson is from PA Consulting and David Hayden is an L&D consultant with the CIPD. I asked them both for a definition of self-directed learning. It means two things. It's one, that you're providing the framework, the resources to enable people to do what they're they're doing naturally. And from the bottom-up perspective is that they have the time and the support to be able to follow their passions and dreams and motivations. I think from my perspective, one of the things that it clearly isn't is is anarchy within learning. So I think sometimes self-directed learning has been translated as people um, then have go off and do whatever they want to a do. free for all. A free, absolutely. With your budget. Yeah, but I, and, and, and absolutely, it's not like, it's like you say, it's about a framework. Because it's as Barbara said, it's this idea of enabling people to do what they already want to do in order to do their work better, be more productive, whatever it is. And I'm wondering, because this is all we're hearing about now, self-directed learning. Everyone's talking about social learning, obviously it's part of it, but self-directed learning. Is this the flip side of the constant change environment, that it's really the only sort of learning that can quite keep pace with the with the pace of change i'm not sure actually i think it is had always been pervasive it always exists and the degree to which the organization understands fully motivations and attitudes will never be as pronounced as what the individual would 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 know well, about that's that. what i mean really yeah. people know what they need absolutely. to know absolutely so it will always be there bubbling up but it's the degree to which lnd can join their party rather than rather than lnd saying well come and join ours And while fostering a learning culture is vital, the learning that goes on does need to walk in step with the business's aims and objectives. At Virgin Media, that was the challenge that triggered a complete overhaul of their L&D strategy. So this is a big push for us in Virgin Media. So for a number of years, we've not really aligned any of our learning functions to our business priorities. So over the last couple of years, we've gone through a bit of a transformation where we have brought in some additional roles that are business partnering roles that work and sit as part of the senior leadership teams in each of our divisions to understand their direction, where they're trying to go, and then to start to build the learning programs and support tools and devices that will sit behind that so that we're more aligned to where they're trying to go as an organisation. That's interesting. Can we dig into the detail of that a bit. So you've got people across the organisation who are tasked with this idea of thinking about business imperatives and how that should translate into learning. 
yeah. bring them together mm-hmm. and then... Absolutely. So we've got six people who uh, sit across the division and they are actually targeted on the business performance of their divisions as well as their L&D outputs as well. So the success of that division will determine whether they're successful as well. So so that's a key driver for those so individuals invested. to make sure that they're, <laughs> they're invested in, in, in everything having an end result. But the biggest thing for us is measuring any learning that we do from an ROI perspective and not just, you know, what, what a lot of learning professionals are great at doing level one and level two feedback and understanding where people enjoy the course or learn something but actually that next level of learning transfer are we seeing that happening in the business are people taking the things that they've learned either online digitally or in face-to-face programs and implementing them and then is that impacting the key business measures so are we actually starting to drive customer satisfaction are we actually driving better sales are we actually driving quicker turnaround in terms of faults that we're fixing etc so if those aren't turning and the dial on those isn't improving we look to go and go back and say okay how do we alter those learning programs how do we improve them to start to turn those down. Okay, so backtracking a bit to objectives, that's the sort of thing you're talking about. So do you set, what, a specific number of objectives or there are objectives around each department? How, how does it all come together yeah, into so a, a strategy? Generally, people will set around eight objectives a year. Four of those will be business aligned, so they'll be about where is my division going. So if I sit in our customer support division, for instance, it'll be about four significant objectives as to what that division wants to achieve this year. And what year. might they be? So those would be anything from customer satisfaction, for instance. So one of the biggest drivers in our organisation and across our industry is NPS. So um, we're always looking to drive that up and look and ensure our customers are better, ha- happier with the service that we provide them. So typically you would see that sort of measure in their objectives on an annual basis. So four that are business aligned. Then there'll be usually be a couple that are around the learning programs that they're pushing out and bringing some sort of innovation or, or, or future technology into those programs. And then there'll usually be a couple of individual objectives for individuals as well to, to push on. <laughs> Okay, so they know what they want to achieve. And in terms of delivering the learning and encouraging the learning, how does that then work yeah, on so, from that process? So lots of different ways in Virgin Media we do this. So we have a, a, lots of different sites. So our main portal is a, a site that we call iDiscover, which we've built internally with our own resource. Um, so we use that to communicate extensively to the workforce. But more than anything, we also believe in a, in, in a relentless pursuit of engagement and comms in a physical manner as well. We have a lot of contact centres and we have a lot of people who are out there in the road. So we encourage our learning professionals, and there are quite a few of us, there's around 140 learning professionals in Virgin Media, to actually get out and be involved in team meetings and scrum work and scrums that they have in contact centres, directors meetings to promote some of the learning that's going on and how it's going to benefit their overall performance. For Barbara and David, it's less important to align with specific business objectives than to provide a framework, a, a business context. But without clear objectives, how do you measure impact? Well, they both agree that's all about gathering and sharing stories. I think it's looking at where things are going really well and, and analysing what's going on here, how's this happened. How do we get to here? How, how are we getting here, yeah, and, and, and finding out actually people are doing some of this stuff off their own bat and, and, and being engaged. So, okay, how can we then not only celebrate that, but sow the seeds in places where it's not going so well? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole process is more sophisticated, isn't it, than it ever used to be, and more subtle in terms of how you're evaluating it and what it's actually bringing to your organisation. And what I'm interested in is how you capture those stories of getting from A to Z and share that, because that must surely be part of the process, mustn't it? So to give you um, an example of one of the techniques that we use, we, we get people to draw a graph for three or six or 12 months and say, what are the things that drag down or enhance performance 
articulate what those are and then that's when people start talking about the story so they might say oh I I watched a fantastic TED talk and it really helped reframe XYZ or I had a conversation with a peer and that's how you surface some of the stories and then what we do is we go a little bit further because we like stories to be much more user-centered rather than stories that's driven out from the center so we'd say then you know how did that impact you how did that contribute to x y and z and we'll zone in on that particular sequence of events and we'll have that as a user story that we can talk about learning in a, in a 70 20 10 frame and how do you then distribute that we have an informal uh, system where we're able to upload videos or we might show them well we we do advocate showing them within the classroom experience as well. So it might be that you're talking about a particular theme. Wouldn't it be great that you can then bring in a video story about how someone has developed in this way? So it's to think about how you can use it in a number of different guises. And selling this approach at every level of the organisation can make the difference between success and failure. If we create the tools and we support people with the tools to help them with this, the, the missing bit is line manager support. So I've been in situations where I've walked past someone who was looking at, just so happened to be a TED Talk, and someone said, oh, you've got the time to be doing that. You know, haven't you got a job to do? That must have made now, you sigh. Uh, uh, well, it did, make me, it did make me sigh because it's to be applauded that anyone would want to take out time when everyone's incredibly time poor to want to, to look at something to help them do something better. But if you don't create a parallel culture to support that, then, then that's an absolute pitfall. Just a couple of years ago, Virgin Media L&D was 80% face-to-face. Not anymore. We've gone on a big transformation to uh, take on board a lot more digital because a lot of our learners, particularly in some of those volume contact centre places that I talked about, are used to an instant search and finding an instant solution. Plus, they don't have a lot of time off the phones, right? Because we want them talking to our customers and serving our customers. So we've had to build bite-sized learning because that's what they've asked for. So we do a lot more videos. We do a lot more animations. We do a lot more infographics, stuff that they consume in two to three minutes between calls with customers can just upskill themselves on any challenges that they're facing throughout the day as well. So you're tracking all that, obviously, about who's doing what. Mm. How do you encourage them to do it? <laughs> That's it. It's a good, it's a good question. So we, we encourage through um, trying to, to sort of get off on the, right, on the right foot to start with. So when people are inducted, we talk a great deal about the learning that we want them to do. But we also talk about the options available to, to them, the career paths that are there for them. So, you know, if you took my own function, for instance, as a learning function around... I don't know the exact figures, but around 70% of the people that work in our learning function started with us as a contact centre agent or a salesperson or a technician or an apprentice, which is just fabulous. So we are all about internal growth. And a lot of what we do is get them to think about their career paths and where they want to go longer term. That's interesting. So, okay, so they see the wins for themselves as well as the wider organisation. I mean, is there an argument that self-directed learning generally benefits the individual sometimes at the expense of the organisation? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, absolutely. There are times, um, and, and you can look back through some of the some of the tracking record uh, tracking that we've done over the years of some of our programs, where we've sent people on things like MBAs and programs that they wanted to do, um, and shortly afterwards they've left. Right, um, and and, and I'm, many organisations will have the same story. Right, and actually that that's a failing for us as an organisation because. One, there's nothing wrong with them going on that program, but have we actually asked the question as to how that's going to benefit us as well as them? Because that's what the, the, the key is to really successful learning. It's something that's going to drive business performance and enhance the individual in the way that they work. Yeah, so how does that work then? If an individual goes to a line manager and says, I want to do X, 
Are there protocols around that sort of questioning now? Historically, no. Yes, there okay. are now. Um, so previously, uh, it was very much uh, there's a budget that each division has and you kind of dip into the budget. And if someone says yes, happy days. Um, now we have a lot more governance around that. comes to that idea of drawing people in and encouraging this self-directed element of learning, David and his team constantly monitor how individual learning elements are going down, be it video, infographic or whatever, and they tweak their output as that data comes in. It's all about how well they're landing. So we'll look at user stats, we'll look at time on the site. So we have some great um, videos that are sort of three to five minute in, in length. Uh, some, some five minute videos really are the key ones that we first launched. And when we launched them it, we, out there, they were used and lots of people were going on to them, but everybody started switching off at about three minutes, 20. So no one watched them to the end. So why are we producing a five minute video that nobody's gonna get to the end to? So we'll go back and we'll go, okay, let's refine that. And if there's some great points in that last minute and a half, let's draw them in in there. So they're into a three minute video and so we'll tighten it up. Interesting. So analytics are key. Hugely. Let's talk a bit more about measuring outcomes from mm. all this. How do you do that? So uh, a lot of it is, is based on the individual programs that we're building. So we don't have a set of generic measurements for L&D that are, uh, here's our success measures as such. What we'll do is for each program that we build, we'll set the success, me success measures um, for that upfront. We'll say, okay, what's our target? Where do we want to get to? And what do we think this learning intervention can do? Okay, so if it's NPS is currently at 25%, and we want to get to 35%, is learning going to get us there? I, I can tell you now, no. Um, but, but maybe learning can get us 1% of the way, okay? So we'll say, okay, let's okay. see if it can get 1% of the way. So you're setting targets. And we'll track along there. Absolutely, we set targets for ourselves. Yeah, and we don't always reach them. We're, we're realistic about that. Um, but we learn from, from when we haven't reached them. Yeah, how tough is that? Because it's quite, it's quite tricky, isn't it, designing these things and setting... I mean, it's a bit of a guessing game, isn't it, setting a target? Yeah, and absolutely. obviously if you set them too low, then it's meaningless. And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it is very much a guessing game, but I think it's one of the things that I would stress we've um, brought in into our learning culture is, um, and a phrase that I use all the time is embrace failure. So we, we miss targets all the time. Yeah. And that's and, okay with management? And I'm okay with that, yeah. Uh, well, management might not be as pleased <laughs> with it. Um, but as long as we can see that we're then looking to take that information of where we've missed and build on it and improve for the future, then that's the positive step. You know, for many, many years, we had no targets. Um, many of our learning programs didn't have set learning objectives in them. So actually being able to measure anything was non-existent. So we're a giant step from where we were. And management are accepting of that because we're, we're very lucky in that we're an organisation that's got a culture of kind of innovation, creativity, challenging the norm. So sometimes we get things wrong, right? Because that's kind of the organisation that we are. As long as we learn from it, then that's a positive. Great. But what about the pitfalls? And when you're walking that tightrope between hands-on and hands-off, there will be pitfalls. If it's left as a Wild West approach, by that I mean that you don't provide help people with a context, if you don't help people perhaps with a framework in which they can access things, if the experience is really poor and people are having to click 50 times to access um, self-directed, then what you just do is you just switch people off. And, and of course, we're adults. It, it's absolutely fine for people to go and look at things in their own time, which might not have the organisational context. But in some particular curricular areas, if we take safety as, as an example, you want it to be very tailored based on the, the needs of the business. So the pitfalls are if you make it hellish for people, then guess what? They're going to go outside and do, do those things. The pitfalls are around how we label it. So if, if, if we label it as a next big thing, then 
it's not going to work you know the other thing didn't work so what why would this thing work so is the trick not to label it at all you don't mm -hmm. call it anything yeah absolutely yeah we've spent a lot of time basically saying we control learning we will we, we'll control what, what you're training so it is pushing against the tide of all those years of, of, of control around that. In some organisations, we've allowed people to abdicate their, um, their development to us. All a bit paternalistic. Absolutely. And, and people come to events, whether it's, whether it's online, whether it's face-to-face, -face, in a passive way, um, expecting to have something done to them rather than involving and engaging in, 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 in a lot of organisations. Harnessing everyone's innate, natural curiosity sits at the heart of a self-directed learning culture. But as Virgin's David Chivers happily admits, L&D has to keep learning too. We get it wrong all the time. I guess the best example of us getting it wrong is we put launched um, loads of online videos for our technical community. So these are engineers that dig up the roads and lay the cable that yeah. allows us to connect to our customers. And these are brilliant videos. I mean, they were amazing, right? Because we built them all ourselves as these brilliant animated videos of people talking about how the network works and faults that would go wrong. And right. Put them all out there and made a big song and dance of it, got into all these meetings and the engineers came back. So these are great. These are really good. We love these. We can never watch them. Why? We said to ourselves, why? Yeah, because hmm. they're in vans driving around in the road. So how can they watch a video? So they said, you know what would be great is if you could turn these into podcasts. So now we do a series of podcasts that our engineers can listen Audio to. Audio podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. They can listen to in the van when they're moving between customers. So, you know, that's an example of us being directed by the learner as to the type of solution that we, we provide as well. The CIPD has fact sheets on a whole range of people topics. Check out the ones on digital learning and learning methods. Good places to start. Plus, there's a MOOC platform, Future Learn where there are two self-directed online courses if you'd like to dive a little deeper. Next month, productivity. How do top-tier organisations get such great performance out of their people? Thanks for listening.